Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from October 30th by Brother Todd Burgess, titled Matthew chapter 5, verse 22. If you have your Bible, let's go and open up to, to uh, Matthew chapter 5. My goal is going to try to finish chapter 5, but we'll see. Uh, I doubt it'll happen. But... Uh, we're dealing here in this 22nd verse today as our focal verse. We dealt kind of verse 21 last, last week. And, and again, we're, what we're seeing now is Jesus is, is beginning to, ex, to expand and explain the law of God as it was meant to be taught uh, from the very beginning. Um, and so what he's confronting in his day is the legalistic teaching of the scribes and Pharisees. Uh, who, who simply thought, don't murder, but yet Jesus says, no, there's far more to the sin of murder than just mur- act, the actual physical act of killing somebody. And so he, that's what Jesus is doing. He, he is clearly explaining the law. And it's going to lead his disciples and us, if we're really listening to what he's saying, to understand that it's not simply that external sin but it's all the internal attitudes and motives that led to that external outside sin. And that's what we have to understand. That's what we have to acknowledge within ourselves, that we are still, even though we're Christians, those of us who know the Lord, we are still in this sinful fleshly body and all of its attitudes and all of its things that, 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 that take place. And we need to, to learn to turn over control to the Holy Spirit of God. And that's why Jesus taught what he taught with the Beatitudes of, about humbling ourselves. All these things that are so important. He taught those nine Beatitudes at the beginning of this chapter. And so it's important that we understand this. Because if we don't understand this and those attitudes that the Holy Spirit wants to change within us and something we can't change but he has to change, but we have to be willing for that change to take place. But if that doesn't happen, then we're going to go further into sin than we ever wanted to go. See, it's all about being a selfless follower of Christ. A selfless follower. It means If you're selfless, it means everybody else is more important to you. That's the way you look at it. Now, this isn't an, an arrogant, oh, I'm humbler than you. No. But this is a true desire, a true planting of the seed of God's love in your life. And you'll begin to see things differently. And so we have to understand this. Um, And so too often what we see is our own self-righteousness, where it's, well, I did what I did because of what you did, and you saw I'm right to do what I did. Really? we got to look at God's word. And so God's word is so, so true here. And so Jesus is teaching in, these la- in this makes the last part of this chapter about he's attacking, he is dealing with self-righteousness. And we have to understand that. We have to understand this teaching here. And so we can't sit there and simply think, well, I'm just a good person based upon that person or that person. No, we have to say, Am I a good person based upon who Jesus is? And if we do that, we find out we fall far short in so many areas. But that's why God gave us his Holy Spirit to help us 
to make those necessary changes in our lives of spiritual change. And that way, and basically what he's doing, he's teaching us how to live by the Spirit of God, to be Spirit-filled. All these words we hear in the New Testament that can so often be misinterpreted, but that's what Jesus is teaching his disciples right here. And so today's text in verse 22, we're going to look at the stages of anger if left to itself and how it's going to ruin our relationships with those around us because it's going to go from personal to slandering them and from privately to publicly all the way to the point of character assassination on a person to where it's now not too far to where their life's worth nothing and actually killing someone. This, this, is the, this is what's being taught here. And this is what Jesus is saying. So when we look at verse 22, uh, I think it's very important. It's, it says, But I say unto you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. And whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. So the first stage we see here is, is anger without a cause. Anger without a cause. Now that doesn't mean, well, you did what you did, so I'm, I'm rightfully angry at you. No, that's not what it means. Okay? Anger without a cause. See, Jesus here is talking about selfish anger against a brother or sister simply because they have done something against you or have irritated you or have displeased you in some way. Do you see where it's coming from? It's all about my perception of myself and what you did that I don't agree with. It's all about me. It's all about me. It has nothing to do with who Jesus is and what Jesus did for us. See, that's what we're looking at. Anger without a cause. Now, and, and, and the clear thing here is this, this is a personal anger. This is, this is personal. It stays between me and one other person. Nobody else may ever know about it. It's the first stage. Anger that stays between two, these two people. And honestly, the other person may not even know about it, but you know about it because I'm the one that's angry. I know about it because of what they did was so wrong. See, that's what we're dealing with here. It has to do with a brooding anger, a simmering anger that is nurtured and never allowed to die. It is seen in holding of a grudge, in bitterness that refuses to forgive. And you want to know one of the clear steps of identifying this anger in yourself? Very simple. You're always looking for the, less, the next little thing that that person does wrong that you can ridicule them for. Oh, well, look what they just did over there. And it may not even been anything wrong. But because of your attitude, you perceive it as wrong. Your perception of everything they're doing is so critical that I uh, never, it's always, if I would have done that, it would have been okay. But if they did it, since they did it, it's wrong. That's what you see there. See, it is the anger that cherishes resentment and does not want reconciliation. See, many times this anger is absolutely groundless. There's no basis for it. As it says, anger without a cause. It's fueled by baseless accusations. 
many times misinterpreted facts. See, a good example, Jonah is a good example of, of one who had this kind of anger in his life. Jonah. It led him to his refusal to follow God's plan or show mercy to the people of Nineveh. Many times this is the kind of anger that people have when you have biases toward people. You have racism. This is, this, this is that anger where it starts. Just because they're who they are. In Jonah 4, verses 1 through 4, it says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger. See, when you start listening, people don't look at slow to anger, folks. That's a spiritual trait that the Holy Spirit gives a child of God. Puts it right up there with mercy, slow to anger, great kindness. And repentest thee of evil. Therefore now, O God, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. Oh, how holy Jonah is thinking himself to be. Oh, Lord, just take my life. It's so horrible here. This is what this kind of anger does. For it's better for me to die than to live. And then the Lord just asks a very simple question. Jonah, doest thou well to be angry? Even to the point that God, in his mercy, had a, had a plant grow up, a gourd grew up, and it gave him shade. And then all of a sudden, later on, God allowed a, a big old worm, it had to be a big worm, to, to take and, 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 and eat that plant away. And Jonah, now Jonah is angry at the gourd. You know? Verses 10 through 11 or chapter 4. Then said the Lord, Thou hast pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it to grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein more than six score thousand, 120,000 persons that cannot discern between their right and their left, and also much cattle? See, this anger. This first step, this first stage of anger, what it does, it takes all reason out of a person's life. They don't see things from God's perspectives. They see things from their own distorted perspective. And this is what we need to identify. In fact, the writer of Hebrews identifies this depth and intensity as the root of bitterness. Because what you're basically seeing when you recognize someone in this stage of anger, they're a very bitter person. They really are. And you can see who they project this against because whenever that person says something or does anything, oh, you just, their, their, their continence just totally changes. And Look what they're doing. And it can be a real good thing they're doing. But because of their bitterness in their heart, their anger that's been that's this, without a cause, there's nothing that person can ever do that's right. Hebrews 12, 15 says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. 
and thereby be defiled. So it's this root of bitterness. See, Jesus says that this anger is a form of murder. It's a form of murder. It's that first stage of belittling a person to a point that later on, if you allow this to continue, continue on, it's not far to taking actions against them. See, the person who harbors this kind of anger shall be guilty, it says, of the judgment. This refers to the court, usually a lower court. This is this kind of thing that, that uh, usually you're looking at civil, civil fines, civil things that, that are done. They, they just ruin your life. So this refers to a, a civil court which doesn't have the authority necessarily or the law doesn't allow them to take someone's life. Yet the anger merits execution or the loss of everything they own because the fruit of anger is murder. And so that's what you see, that's that first stage. Now the second stage of anger is there's a change. Now it leads to slander, to slander. And it says, whosoever shall say to your brother Raka, shall be in danger of the council. Now, raka is a term of malicious abuse, of derision, of slander. Otherwise, this is no longer a personal grudge. This has grown to a, gone to a public outburst. To where now other people are being, you're trying to get other people on your side saying, well, look what they did. Well, their, their motive was really this. And you start to bring other people into the situation and trying to get them to have the same anger that you have toward this individual. See, raka is a term of arrogant contempt. See, David spoke of persons who, had, who, who, who used such slander as those in Psalm 140, verse, 30, verse 3. It says, They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips. This is, this, this is, this is a person has gone to stage two. Not only is it anger without a cause, but now this anger has justified them to belittle this person any way they can publicly. See, it's the type of speech that would have been used by the soldiers who mocked Jesus as they placed the crown of thorns on his head prior to letting, to. to Send them out to be crucified. In Matthew 27, 29 to 31, it says, And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And many, times, many other translations says that they'd punch him and hit him and say, prophesy who, did, who hit you. This is the kind of, of anger that you see here. Just total mockery and total slandering of a person wrongfully. This is what, the Jesus, this is what Jesus had to deal with with the Pharisees all the time. Who constantly said, well, what authority did you do all these things? Well, you're Beelzebub, the prince of Beelzebub, allows you to do all these miracles. They would slander him re relentlessly. That's what we'd see here. And that kind of anger. See, the severity of slandering a creature made in God's image. Think about that. Human beings, mankind... 
is the only one that God breathed into the breath of life. He didn't do that to the animals. He did it to mankind. And to slander a cre the creation of God, someone who's made in the image of God, is to slander God himself and is the equivalent of murdering that person. Because eventually, if you don't get control of the anger, it's going to lead down that dark slope. And it's going to involve not just... See, before it was just thoughts that were in your own mind and you just really didn't like that person and you, to yourself, it was, it was personal. But now, the second stage, now it's come public and you're slandering that person and, and ridiculing and tearing them down. What do you what thinks the third stage is going to do? Even more. See, this contempt, this is murder of the heart. The contemptuous person shall be guilty before the council, the Bible says. Now, this is, this, this, this is the higher court. This is the Supreme Court, if you will, in our terms. The, and here it was the Sanhedrin, the council of the 70 who tried the most serious offenses. And they were allowed to pronounce the penalties to include the death penalty by, by stoning. So you see this, what Jesus is saying? This is the severity that anger is taking. It's, it's getting more and more severe because the individual is not dealing with their anger, their bitterness. They're allowing it to fester and grow. And that's going to lead to this third stage where you're condemning one's character. That's where it says, but whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Now that word fool, we don't think too much of it because often we just use it so randomly in our culture. It's what, our word, what the, word, the word there is moron, is moros, and we get our, our word moron from. And we say, oh, you're a moron. You know, we use it so casually, okay? And it really means stupid or dull. It's the term from which we get that, that term moron. And, and to call someone you fool was to accuse them of being both stupid and godless. So the, we got to go back to the term in Jesus' day. What you're doing is you're referring to some of this, you're a godless person, you're you're going to hell because you are rejecting all that Jesus stood for. Now, when you look at the stage, remember Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to believers. For us, that's Christian. That's church members who are followers of Jesus Christ. This is who Jesus is talking to. He's teaching us. And so an example we see here in the Old Testament would be King Saul. New Testament would be Saul before he became Paul, the apostle. But King Saul is the example of this, of this character, of this hatred that, that was allowed to fester in his life. Going from anger without a cause to slandering and now to assassination, the character assassination of, a, of one's character. 
where King Saul, when he laid all sorts of false accusations about David and, and eventually chased after him, trying to kill him. This is what anger does. If gone to through all these stages, it'll take a person where they never wanted to go. 1 Samuel 18, 7-11 says, And the women, women answered one another as they played, and said, Saul hath slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And Saul, look at this, was very wroth, anger without a cause. And the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousand, to me they have ascribed but a thousand. And what can he have more than the, but the kingdom? And so anger is leading Saul to think, well, David's after my kingdom. I got to deal with them. And it was not the, not the case. That's what anger with the cause does. It takes us to, to begin to believe that that person's motive was, oh, it's, not, it's all against me, so now I got to react. And so Saul eyed David from that, from that day forward. And so, obviously, a lot of things are going to transpire in Saul's, li Saul's life. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from, from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David played in his hands. And, and at other times, as there was a javelin in Saul's hand, and Saul cast the javelin, he tried to kill him. I'll smite David, even to the wall. And David avoided it. And then we know that at that time, he started to pursue David, trying to kill him. And David, a couple times, could have killed Saul, but didn't. You see, what we see here in, in, in God's Word, you see that progression taking place. First, you're just angry for whatever reason. And that's what it says, without a cause. And then it goes to a slander. And then it goes, in this case, where if you can literally assassinate that person characterly around the everywhere, everywhere they go, it doesn't take, it's not far to where you're justifying and taking their life. That's what you see here. See, these three illustrations in this verse show, they show increasing degrees and seriousness of sin taking us further than we ever wanted to go. To be angry is the basic evil behind murder. To slander a person with, with a term such as raka is even more serious because it gives expression or motive to that anger. And then to condemn a person character, character by calling them a fool it means they deserve hellfire. You, that's where you want to send them. It's more slanderous still. See, the one who has reached this point in their anger is only one step from actually planting or planning out the act of ending a person's life. It's not far. It's not far. That's what's so important for us as Christians to understand. And the person will eventually react on impulse at something that that person does that you've been angry with for however how long. 
It's going to act on impulse, and they're going to do something they regret later. Because you've lost all impulse control. See, as Christians, our anger should never go this far. Cain and Abel, you've heard that. I've used that a couple times. But that's what Cain did. He got angry, couldn't get, angry, couldn't get even with God, so he got angry, and he drew all of that anger toward Abel. And even God came in and said, hey, well, hold on, get control of your anger, otherwise it's going to consume you. But he couldn't do it. And out of impulse, he slew his brother. See, as Christians, again, we shouldn't go this far. Because of the forgiveness God has given to us, we should forgive others with the same forgiveness. Now, next week, we're going to cover the last of these uh, 23 to 26. See, all these 21 to 26 are all one theme. It all falls together. Now, you think about, well, how, how does taking someone to, taking your gift to the altar and remember there your brother has ought against us? Well, a lot of times you think, oh, my brother has something against me. Well, I guess I got to go help take care of that sister. He, he needs to get his life right. How many of us, have we, we've interpreted that verse that way? It's not interpreted that way, folks. The way that verse is interpreted is God has convicted you to point to where my anger is out of control against this individual. I need to go get it right with that individual. Not their fault, it's my fault. And see, this is what Jesus is doing through this. We realize it's not about them, it's about me. And my failure to live up to God's standards. And finally, the Holy Spirit is getting a hold and revealing my wrong attitude, my wrong motives that are all within. That as Jesus forgave me, I must forgive. I must forgive. See, it's not about if they deserve it or not. It's about being obedient to Christ. It's about being the example that Jesus gave here in chapter 5, salt and light. You know, many times being salt and light, it reflects back on us first before we can ever do anything for anybody else. The salt has to affect us. The light has to affect us and expose our darkness first or we'll never be able to deal with anybody else's or help them. See, living in the expression of God's love. See, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And through God's love, He gave us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that is teaching us where our shortcomings are. And we need to acknowledge those. And we need to respond in God to God's word as it teaches us to respond. And stop pointing fingers or justifying actions. 
Because we're responsible for what we say, what we do, what we think, how we respond, not how anybody else does. But yet so often, we change the focus from me to them. And that's what anger does. It takes the focus off of me and puts it on everybody else. And so I'm able to justify my actions and condemn everybody else's. Folks, as a church, we have to look at ourselves first and, and truly want to see ourselves as Christ sees us. And folks, that can be a very uncomfortable understanding of who we are. But until we do, there is no good we can do for anybody else because we're rejecting the good that God wants to do for us. Let's stand and pray. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, visit our website at gbcak.org.